You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell, and we have a lot to talk about today after the Colts lost a heartbreaker to the Titans. We'll recap the wild overtime loss, discuss takeaways from that game. Most importantly, we'll break down the Colts' playoff hopes uh, and look at the playoff picture as Indianapolis falls to 3-5. and five. But first, Mike, we got some big news to start off with. This morning, Monday morning, Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that Titans running back Derrick Henry suffered a potentially season-ending foot injury on Sunday. Uh, he reported that the concern is that it's a Jones fracture that would require surgery. Uh, it later came out, the Titans announced that Henry will have surgery on Tuesday. And NFL Network's Ian Rappaport is reporting that the timetable for Henry is 6 to 10 weeks, with 8 weeks being the most realistic um, date of return for Henry. 6 weeks would be awfully fast, Rappaport reported. Uh, so Henry out 6 to 10 weeks. Uh, major news as he was an MVP candidate, leading the Titans to a 6-2 and two record. NFL Network also reported that Tennessee is bringing in Adrian Peterson for a visit. The 36-year-old future Hall of Fame running back averaged 3.9 yards per carry last year for Detroit. So Tennessee now looking uh, for replacement plans for Derrick Henry. Mike, this is huge news. Um, I guess we'll see how important Henry is to this Titans team. And you know what? Does this kind of open up? the chance for the Colts to potentially come back in and take away the division with uh, the Titans now losing their best player. Well, but but the problem is the numbers are still stacked against the Colts. You're, you're still down four with nine to play. That it, it, it's, 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 you're running, you're going to run out of time, unfortunately. And what this does, it just drives home how devastating that loss was yesterday. Because, again, if you find a way to close it out and this news comes out, then you're right there. And then, you know, they go to the Rams on uh, Sunday and you've got the Jets on, on Thursday. And all of a sudden you're you're right smack back in, in the division, you know, tied for the division lead. So that that's that's where it really kind of hammers you is that what could have happened again, could have, could have this season. At the end of this season, we're going to talk about could have and should have. But it gives them a little bit of a of a window. I still think now with that loss, that their best shot is a wild card, which I thought was out of the, out of the not even a possibility because of the way the AFC was stacked. But right now, the AFC's the AFC. Who, who do you like? I mean, one week it's it's Cincinnati's a hot team and they lose to the one win Jets. Uh, Buffalo, the Chargers are, are are up and down and. Kansas City's a mess, so uh, it's really hard to figure. So I still think that even with with the injury and and how it's going to make it a lot tougher on Tennessee, even if they get Peterson, I mean, he's on the the street for a reason. He just is. People are on the street for a reason in November. Uh, But it it gives them, to me, I don't think it changes the AFC South unless the Titans just collapse, which I don't know that their schedule will allow them to do that. But to me, it just shows you how devastating that loss was because 
you win that game and then Henry's out, it really opens up the AFC South. And I, I still don't know if there's enough time for the Colts to catch the Titans in, in the division. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk more about the Colts' uh, playoff hopes a little later in the podcast. More bad news, or at least bad news for Colts fans here. Taekwon Lewis has suffered a season-ending injury to his right knee. Uh, of course, injury happened on his first career interception. Really a tough break for the 2018 second-round pick, a guy who's in a contract year. And, Mike, the, the defensive end group that was already kind of lacking from Indianapolis – now is without, I mean, maybe one of their best performers. Lewis had been a solid player for them this year, and now he's done for the season. Yeah, it's easy to overlook Tyquan Lewis, but he he was after you know the interior tackles with with Buckner and and Stewart. He, he's third on the list he, to me, even ahead of what Quiddy Pay's given you. And Quiddy Pay's been okay, but hasn't given you the pass rush, the sacks that that you need from him, but. Tyquan Lewis was, was that movable guy. He could play in. He could play tackle. He, go, he moves inside in the nickel. Just just an awful injury. Uh, and, and, again, it comes in a contract year, which is a double whammy. He is probably the one – I need to look at the list again, but he's probably the one pending free agent that I would have made an attempt to resign because I think he brings value, if not as a top-tier starter – Certainly a valuable rotational guy, and now he's looking at a long rehab. So uh, hopefully he gets back 100%. But he, he this will be a big loss because right now no one else is stepping up on a weekly basis. Yeah, and uh, while we're talking about injuries, T.Y. Hilton just can't seem to stay healthy. He suffered a concussion when he landed on his head in the fourth quarter. He has already been ruled out for Thursday's Thursday night game against the New York Jets. Uh, Mike, this wide receiver core all of a sudden is pretty thin after injuries to Hilton that seem to be reoccurring. And then uh, Paris Campbell, of course, is uh, recovering from a foot injury himself. Yeah, this is like shades of, was it 2018? Where we got halfway through the season and 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 they're looking to get guys off the streets and, you know, they, they, they find Dontrell... Uh, I'm 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 forgetting the guy's name. I'm I'm blanking out on the, the free agent. Inman? Yeah, Inman, and he really helped save their season. So so now again, it, it's with Ty. It, it gives it gives everyone a chance to second guess resigning him. He he's not staying healthy, and uh, but but immediately, you're going to have to have some other guys step up. Maybe we're going to see Kiki Kuti more because we've not seen much of him to this point. But they're they're losing key players at key positions. I would be surprised if Kahari Willis is available for for Thursday. He's got that calf injury, and you know the short week makes it really really hard to get back uh, from any kind of an injury. So it, this it's, it's funny they they go into the the Tennessee game as healthy as they've been all, all season, and now you're losing three players. Uh, at least one one long term, two short term. Uh, I guess fortunately they've got the Jets and Jacksonville coming in, but the Jets are coming off a pretty stunning win uh, by themselves. Yeah, in- injuries in this one to Hilton Lewis and Akari uh, Willis with the calf, and then Kenny Moore and uh, Bobby Okereke went down for periods of time as well. Thankfully, they were able to return to the game. They both had uh, huge efforts in the close loss to the Titans. 
But uh, one last bit of news here, and it's some pretty big news, not necessarily for the Colts, but just across the league. The Broncos have traded edge rusher Von Miller to the Rams for second and third round draft picks. The 32-year-old Miller has four and a half sacks this season. Uh, He's in the final year of his contract. Mike, that's one less pass rusher in the AFC. The four and four Broncos, who will be competing for a wild card spot, uh, lose a key piece of their defense. And the Titans play the Rams this Sunday on Sunday night football. I'm not sure if Von Miller will be able to get acclimated to his new team that quickly, but a big, big move in the AFC there. Yeah, it, 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 we'll see how many more moves there are today with, with the trade deadline looming. So it's there have been rumors about Von Miller being traded. I, I assume without knowing ins and outs of the Broncos, they, I mean, you don't get rid of a Pro Bowl player if, if you really consider yourself a, a legitimate playoff team. So it, it's I'm curious about the th- internal thinking of getting rid of him. Uh, but this I tell you, what, what this tells you, the the Rams are all in. The, the the Rams are pushing all their chips in the table, and they're they're making a push. And don't you think they got a pretty dog a good chance of getting there and winning it? So uh, I understand their rationale. I'm not totally so sure of what Denver's thinking, other than they're they're dumping a talent. And uh, I guess looking for the future. I guess I think I saw where they're going to pick up nine million dollars of his nine seven. Uh, salary this year, so they they apparently really wanted to get rid of him and get some get some more draft picks. Yeah, I think you ask just about anybody, and they tell you the Rams are a top five team in the NFL. And then the Broncos, after starting three and zero, lost four in a row, and then this past Sunday just won to Washington. So they're they're a confusing team to figure out. Uh, but that's neither here nor there because we're trying to figure out the this Indianapolis Colts team. And let's just go ahead and jump into the game recap here. Three and four Colts hosting the five and two Titans game is in Indianapolis for a game that Darius Leonard called a must win. He said he usually doesn't like to use the term must win, but this is a must win game if the Colts are going to have a shot at the division. And the Colts start off hot. They hit Jonathan Taylor on a swing pass. First play of the game, boom, 37 yards. After a couple short gains, Indy faces a fourth and three at Tennessee's 38. You already know Frank Wright's going to go for it. Carson Wentz finds Naheem Hines for six yards, picks up that first down. Later in the drive, Colts face third and seven, and they hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor on a draw play, caught Tennessee off guard, 12-yard gain, first and goal at the two-yard line. First, second, and third down attempts, unsuccessful. Of course, Frank Wright is going to go for it. And Carson Wentz finds Michael Pittman Jr. in the back of the end zone for the touchdown on fourth down. Seven to nothing Colts after a 14-play, 82-yard drive that took over six minutes off the clock. That's how you want to start. And this is how you want to start on defense. On the Titans' first drive, Ryan Tannehill throws into a crowd on second down, and it's intercepted. Kenny Moore with the pick. He returns it to Tennessee's seven-yard line. On first down, the Colts go right back to Pittman Jr. Just like that, Pittman's got two touchdowns. The Colts are up 14-0. And at this point, Mike, you got to feel pretty good if you're a Colts fan. Well, yeah, I mean, he, they've spotted you a 14-0 lead. And, you know, it, it's just that's the best way to start. Like you said, you come out offensively and have a great, crisp drive with a couple of key conversions. And then the defense gives you the, the takeaway. Uh, I don't think any was any anybody expected to con- continue like that, 
but it's too bad they just couldn't build and sort of put away a team, a quality team uh, at home early. It just didn't happen. Yeah, the Colts would force a three and out on the next drive, giving Indy the opportunity to take a three-score lead in the first quarter. The Colts cross midfield, but on third and three, T.Y. Hilton goes deep to T.Y. Hilton. It's overthrown. Fourth down. Colts are going to go for it here. Wentz can't connect with Michael Pittman Jr. down the field. Pittman Jr. seemed to have some space. He looked open, but it wasn't quite there. The ball sailed the other way. Titans take over at the 40-yard line. Now, Mike... I've seen this decision to go for it criticized quite a bit online by uh, some of our colleagues here. Uh, what are your thoughts on the decision to go for it? I thought it was the right call. Yeah, it, it, this, this is one of those that, that if, if, if you convert to four down, it's a great call. If you don't, you open yourself up for criticism. I, I probably would have punted because I'm a conservative guy, but at the same time, knowing Reich being the aggressive guy, he was going for the throat. He was, he was going for, I guess, the knockout punch to at least go up, you know, 17, uh, unless you take it on in. So I I understand that. And I think nowadays most coaches, Vrabel would have gone for this, and later in the game I think he did similarly. So, yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. When they went deep to TY on third down, it was to me that just said for sure they were going to go for it on fourth down. Uh, Yeah, if you want to criticize Reich for for things – Go ahead, because he gave you a lot of a, a lot of opportunities to do that. This is one I really don't think I'd criticize him for. Yeah, I saw the you know people who didn't like the choice to go for it say it kind of the Colts lost momentum with that call and went over to Tennessee. Uh, do, really, they keep momentum if they would have punted the football. It, the, in my opinion, the chance to go up twenty-one to nothing on the Tennessee Titans versus the what, 25 yards of field position that you would have gained if you punted? The risk-reward there, you go says go for it every single time, and I'll stand by that. Uh, Titans now with the ball. They're trying to get something going, and Tannehill would suddenly come alive. He went 5-for-5 five five on this drive, completed all of his passes to tight ends. Titans converted three third downs, including a third and three near the goal line. That resulted in a six-yard touchdown pass to Geoff Swaim. Uh, EJ Speed looked to be a little bit out of position there, uh, going for the play fake with Derrick Henry. Hard to blame him on that. And now it's 14-7. to Titans are right back in it. Colts looking to respond and take back the momentum. Jonathan Taylor picks up 20 yards off the left side on first down, but a holding call on Braden Smith would bring it back. The Colts were never able to recover from first and 20, and they would end up having to punt. Titans now approaching midfield with the ball, and a Taekwon Lewis sack on third uh, sets up a third down and 11 at the Tennessee 45. Tannehill now drops back under pressure from the blitz. He gets rid of it, and it's intercepted by Lewis, who makes two great plays on back-to-back instances. But as he looks to pick up some yards on the return, Lewis kind of stumbles. He drops the football, just flat drops it. It's a fumble. There's a pile. And Tennessee ends up recovering that football. Lewis would remain down on the field. He would have to be carted off. And like we said at the top of the show, he is out for the season. Uh, It was a PCL injury, right, Mike? I thought I saw Patella, but but the, the team hasn't uh, confirmed conf- confirmed either one. 
And what's hard to to tell is, did did he stumble because because the knee injury gave or the knee gave out on him, or did it did it happen when he went down? It's just it's hard to say, but it's just, it's just a crushing blow for for him, like for, for the reasons we talked about. But it was such a massive swing because of what happened on the next play. Yeah, huge swing. I mean, you want to talk about momentum shift. This is where I argue the momentum shifts. You get an interception, second one of the game. You're about to give the ball back to your offense, already up one touchdown, and you just fumble it back to him. It, it was third down, Mike. Even if Lewis just drops the interception, the Colts would have had the ball back. But this is really a gift to Tennessee. And on the very next play, Ryan Tannehill hit A.J. Brown on the right sideline. And Brown breaks one of the weakest tackle attempts you'll ever see from Xavier Rhodes. He goes 57 yards to the house. And just like that, we're tied up at 14. What was that, Mike? It looked like Xavier Rhodes tried to knock the ball out or something. All he has to do is push Brown out of bounds. Yeah, I, that, that's a strange one. That That's one, I don't know how much film review they do on a short week, but I, I, I don't know what his defense is other than, than, well, I was trying to do what? I mean, you know, he, he was he – was, tiptoeing the sideline anyway. It wouldn't have taken much at all to get him out of bounds and limit the damage. I mean, just limit the damage and make him earn it. But to give him a a, a gift 57-yarder because of a weak tackle attempt was really damning, damaging to the team and damning to, to Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, Xavier Rhodes has really had a tough season. I remember there was never a sp- specific play where uh, Derrick Henry was coming at him, and he just really wanted no part of tackling Derrick Henry, which I wouldn't either, but y- you are getting paid to do so. Um, just like that, we're tied up at 14. There's now a little over four minutes left in the half, and the Colts need to score. On the second play of this drive, Taylor picks up 32 yards off the right side, but again, a penalty brings it back. Holding call on Chris Reed. Replay showed what I thought was a pretty ticky-tack call there. Um, uh, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of holding probably happens just about every play and they don't call it. They do call it this time. Colts would recover though and drive into Tennessee's territory, fail to pick up a first down on third and four from the 17 and settle for a field goal. They go into halftime 17 to 14 Colts have the lead, but I feel like the Titans, all things considered have to feel pretty good about themselves that they're only down three here. All right. Third quarter now, Titans get the ball to start. They're facing a third and seven near midfield, and Kamoko Ture jumps off sides, making it a much easier third down and two. After an incomplete pass, Tennessee goes for it on fourth and two. They would convert with a Ryan Tannehill run. Uh, Tennessee would convert two more third downs on this drive, including a third and four from the five-yard line when Tannehill threw his second touchdown of the day. Titans now take their first lead, 21 to 17. That was a 14-play drive that took over seven minutes off the clock. Colts now looking to answer. They pick up a third down. They pick up a first down, but on third and six from the 43, Wentz goes deep to Moali Cox. There's contact, but the pass falls incomplete. The defender uh, appeared to get there a tick early on the replay, and he had his arm wrapped around Big Mo. No call. Colts have to punt. Indy needs to stop uh, because the Titans at this point are on a 21-3 run. Thankfully, the defense would force a three and out after a Tennessee penalty on first down. Colts now with the ball. They're driving near midfield as the third quarter winds down. 
Carson Wentz goes deep to sack Pascal. Pascal gets interfield with, trying to come back to the ball. The refs do throw the flag on this one. And on first down, everyone takes the bait on a Jonathan Taylor play fake. And Carson Wentz hits a wide open Jack Doyle for a five-yard touchdown. Doyle's first touchdown of the season. And the Colts retake the lead 24-21. to All right, Titans ball now after a short gain on first down. Ryan Tannehill's second down pass falls incomplete. It's about to be third and eight, but the refs throw a flag. Roughing the passer is the call on Kamoko Ture. Gives Tennessee a fresh set of downs. Uh, He kind of dove at Tannehill's legs, trying to make a sack from behind. They called, you know, going low on the quarterback. You know, it it technically is the right call, but, Mike, it's just so hard to play uh, defense in today's NFL. I guess you can only wrap the quarterback up by their tummy these days. You can't use their legs anymore. Yeah, I saw our Dave Griffiths kind of mention, and, and he's right. He said, you may not agree with the call, but that that's the call. And it's very difficult, like you said, to play defense now because you can't go high in a quarterback. You really can't go low in the quarterback. So there's like that that midsection you can go after him. And, but, they've been, again, I didn't, I didn't like the call, but I understand it. You go low at the quarterback and hit, and hit the knees, even from behind when you're diving, and they're going to flag you. And it, uh, it was a bad couple of series for Kamoko Ture uh, with those penalties. But, again, letter of the law, letter of the rule book, that's what they're going to call almost every time. Yeah, Tennessee would drive into Colts territory, but a holding call on third and seven would back Tennessee up. And they'd settle for a field goal to tie it 24-24. to 24 and there's about 11 minutes left in this game. The Colts start the drive with two incompletions uh, after the ball went through the hands of Ashton Doolin and Zach Paschal. On third and 10, they set up a screen pass to Michael Pittman Jr. He loses two yards, but as Pittman Jr. is wrapped up and being driven backwards, Tennessee's Jeffrey Simmons comes in and delivers a kind of a dirty shot to Pittman's back, um, really came in trying to hit him hard on a play where you know, Pitt, the play was over. Pittman was done. The refs throw an unnecessary roughness flag, and the call gives the Colts a first down, really bails them out there. After another first down by Indianapolis, Colts are near midfield, and Wentz goes uh, with the pass to T.Y. Hilton. Hilton has the ball, but comes down hard on his head slash neck area. Uh, he drops the ball upon impact, and T.Y. is out for the game on this one with that concussion that we mentioned earlier. Incompletion on second down sets up third and 10, and Carson Wentz is sacked, but a holding call on Tennessee bails the Colts out again. Colts now driving, and they reach the 32-yard line, but now it's the Colts who get called for a penalty. Ryan Kelly, with a holding, backs them up 10 yards, second and 10 from the 42. Uh, Pass to Naheem Hines is incomplete as a defender again gets to him a little early. No call. Third down now. Pass to Ashton Doolin's a little high. It goes off his hands for the second time on this drive. And the Colts have to punt after a penalty took them uh, out of field goal range. Titans now with the ball, and they're driving. They pick up a big first down on fourth and one when Ture couldn't bring down Derrick Henry after he met him in the backfield. A holding call, though, um, sets up a first and 20. And after picking up the penalty yardage, Trey sacks Tannehill on second down, uh, makes up for his penalties earlier in the game. Now it's a third and 19. The Colts would hold and force a punt. 
Indy now with the ball with about a minute and a half left and a chance to win the game. This drive will start at the seven-yard line. First play, Frank Wright calls a screen pass to Mo Alley-Cox. Carson Wentz is met with pressure and just kind of panics. It looks like he panics, throws the ball up in the air. It's intercepted by Tennessee, who then returns it for a, a short return for a touchdown. Mike, this was a horrendous mistake. Gave Tennessee a 31-24 to lead. What on earth was Carson Wentz thinking? I mean, it's times like this where he looks like he's never played football before. Yeah, did, did it, Frank called it a terrible play call. Maybe it was. I mean, he just said there's so many things that can go wrong down there. He said it was too risky. I'd agree with that. I don't like the play right. call either. Right. But, but but so then it's up to your quarterback not to compound it with just a bad decision. I, I think I went back and looked at the at the play, and it was obvious from the start that, that it wasn't going to be there, that, that, that they had Mo pretty well botched up. So then just, just as he as Wynn said, dirt it. Throw it in the ground. And, he, and if you look, he had a quick chance to do that. And then you reset for second down. Instead, he, he's just trying to play hero ball and trying to make something out of a bad situation. And he, and he actually made it worse by, you know, whenever you're whenever a right-handed quarterback switches to his left hand in the end zone under pressure, you know, nothing's good going to come out of it. And, and he, he throws probably the shortest pick six in NFL history, two yards. And what's really kind of, crazy to think about the way the play worked out the the pick six was a better option than a safety a safety virtually ends the game because you get the free kick and, and you're not going to get the ball I think the Colts had two timeouts I think with a minute 20 or what or whatever so at least gave you a chance but that doesn't erase the fact that it was just a bad decision by the quarterback. We, we can rip Frank all we want for having a bad play call. If, if there's 70 plays in the game, there's probably 10 that aren't the greatest calls. And at some point, your quarterback has to not compound things. And we'll talk about another awful, awful decision in a few minutes. But you just can't have your quarterback make that kind of a play. And, and you know, maybe the Colts would have ran a couple more plays and had to punt and then call on the defense again. But to give a, to give seven free points like that is just crippling. It really is. Colts now get the ball back. Now they're down seven. Now they're trying to play catch up here. Uh, a couple of penalties has them facing third and 16 with 51 seconds left. Wentz avoids the rush, somehow stays on his feet and fires the ball down the field where Michael Pittman Jr. makes a tremendous jump ball catch with four defenders around him. This picks up 38 yards, and the Colts call a timeout with 37 seconds left at Tennessee's 43. All right, first down now, incomplete. Second down, Wentz goes deep to Doolin, who's interfered with in the end zone. This sets the Colts up at the one-yard line. First down, the Colts do a direct snap to Naeem Hines, who runs an option. Hines hands the ball to Taylor with the defender coming down on him, and Taylor strolls into the end zone. And now Frank Wright has another decision to make. Go for the win in a two-point conversion, win or lose right here, or tie the game and play for overtime. Wright elects to kick the extra point, tying the game at 31 with 22 seconds left. Mike, I, I, I was on Twitter calling for him to go for two. I, I didn't want any part of overtime with the Titans. 
I thought the Colts' best chance was win or lose right there, one play from the two-yard line. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I guess that's why you and I, I, I would have kicked it. I, I just would have. I, 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 all or nothing on on the on the two-point conversion. Now, again, if he had a play that he, he just was in love with, but I, I would have kicked it and taken my chances in overtime. And, and as it turned out, you had chances in overtime. That, that That's what's so maddening is for all the things that you, that you did wrong or not right enough, it was there in overtime. I understand what you're saying, uh, and I guess it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened had they gone for two and not made it. You know, kind of shades of uh, the Houston Texans several years ago on, on the fourth down, and, and it was in overtime or whatever it was. So I was okay with that. I understand what you're saying. But the defense did come up and give them, give them a chance in, in overtime. Uh, it just it just another bonehead play by the quarterback cost you. It did, yeah. A few seconds left in regulation. Tannehill sacked by Buckner on first down. And that, uh, that really has us heading to overtime. No more hope of, you know, a deep pass to set up a field goal or anything like that. All right, here comes the all-important coin toss. And unlike with the Baltimore game, the Colts win this one. Carson wins with a chance to win the game. We get a four-yard run by Jonathan Taylor on first down. Complete on second down, sets up a crucial third down here. Carson Wentz goes deep down the middle to Zach Paschal, who's interfered with again. No call from the officials. The defender clearly hit Paschal before the ball arrived. Uh, Mike, the officials didn't call this all game. I thought it was terrible. This would force the Colts to punt. But where was the officiating? Uh, the Titans just mugged the Colts receivers all game. They consistently hit the Colts before the ball got there, and it was rarely called. Well, it's called like twice the, the, the big play, similar to what happened in the Niners game. But yeah, there were, there were probably two or three times where, you know, initially you think bang, bang, but then no, not really. They, they got there just a tad early. And uh, the problem is, offensively you can't be planning on having these happen. But in this case, and I think there was one earlier that I agree with you on, it was early. And uh, I, I, I guess don't put yourself in that position where you're asking for that. But at the same time, if there's clear interference, you've got to call it, regardless whether it's in the first quarter or in the first drive of overtime. And uh, I, I guess don't put yourself in that position. But, but at the same time, if there's interference, throw a flag. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, many more flags that should have been thrown in this one, in my opinion. But they were not. All right, let's see. So the Colts have to punt. Tennessee needs just a field goal now. But Indianapolis's defense would stiffen up and force a three and out. The Colts have the ball. A second chance. Please, Carson Wentz. Wentz would use his legs to pick up a first down. Uh, the first first down of overtime, actually, on a crucial third and two. Very next play, Wentz tries to hit Pittman off of a play action. The safety comes over and intercepts the ball. Pittman really not open at all on this one. Wentz really forced it. He had a wide open Jonathan Taylor underneath who probably would have picked up at least 20 yards had Wentz just dumped the ball off to him. Uh, the Titans would take over in field goal range uh, at the Colts 27. Penalty would set them back, but they uh, made up for that yardage, and Randy Bullock would hit a 44-yard field goal to give Tennessee the win. 
devastating 34 to 31 loss by the Colts. But Mike, let's talk about that interception by Wentz trying to hit Pittman Jr. I mean, it just really seemed like he was pressing at this point in the game. Carson, I mean, had played so well, really just taking what the defense gave him, but uh, really, really just played undisciplined football down the stretch. And and this is when you need your quarterback to be on point. And, and t- you know, they always say take what take what they're giving you. And it, it was almost like he, he was locked into Pittman from the start. And he said, "Well, I thought I thought Pitt had a." step on the underneath coverage. Yeah, but but it was at least double coverage, and the safety was close enough to, to make a play on the ball. And video review is going to show Jonathan Taylor is so open over the middle of the field. He gets, like you said, probably 20 yards. So all of a sudden you're at midfield. And to, to, to press, to force the ball to Pittman, on, on first down, it just compounds thing. You've got five and a half minutes to play first down. Take the check down and go back and look at that play again. There were two other guys open, certainly much more open than Pittman was. So that's why I say I, th- there's a lot of criticism, if you want, on Frank Reich. Maybe not enough runs. We can get into that. I mean, we, we could rationalize how they use Jonathan Taylor in the, in the run game. But the quarterback has got to make the right the, the right decisions at that time. And on those two critical plays, and probably a few other ones, uh, Wentz just didn't do it. And that's what it, it, we were talking in the press box is this fan base is still, in the media, is still trying to embrace Carson Wentz as the quarterback of the present and the future. And he had given us, he had given everyone decent evidence through the first seven games that, that he can be the guy. But it's situations like this that really it, it just brings up the, the skepticism again because you got to make the key. There's always five or six, seven plays in a game that a team and a quarterback has to make. We, we can and moan at the defense and some of the things it didn't do with Xavier Rhodes and, and all this. But the ball's in the hands of the quarterback, and he's got to make the right decision, and he's got to make better decisions with the game on the line, and Wentz didn't do that. You really didn't. Uh, moving on to takeaways now. The Colts have struggled to beat good teams. They've now lost eight straight games against teams that reached the playoffs in 2020 including five this season. Uh, more on Carson Wentz. I, I think hero ball really hurt him. He, he's trying to be the savior. When coming to Indianapolis, Frank Wright you know, kept saying, we're not going to ask Carson Wentz to carry the team. All we're going to ask him to do is do his job and make the right plays. On an afternoon where he set a franchise record with 212 straight passes without an interception, Wentz had two picks on his final nine attempts. Uh, Both of them were abysmal. You talked about it, Mike. Wentz has to be better. I mean, this is really the first game that, you know, the Colts have now lost five games this year, but this is really the first one where you can point to Carson Wentz and be like, he lost the game for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, you you could argue that the first Tennessee game, but but he shouldn't shouldn't have been playing with the ankles. Yeah, this is the one. This is the kind of game that you bring – your your franchise quarterback 
in for to make these plays. It, it, it just is. And he, he failed not once but twice. And we talk about hero ball. There's a lot of ways to be a hero. It doesn't have to be a 20-yard pass into coverage to Michael Pittman. We talked. You talked about the 38-yard completion to Michael Pittman. That was a great play, but I, I don't want to make a living on Michael Pittman going up around three defenders and, and making a, a tough catch. You can play hero ball in overtime by checking the ball down, keep the chains moving, and get in position for a you know a 35-yard field goal by Badgley. That, that's hero ball. It's 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 all about getting to the bottom line, and, and whether it's a 12-play drive or or or, or a, a, a one-play drive that Tannehill hits AJ Brown. It's just get the job done. And when a quarterback makes those kind of mistakes, you just can't win. You just can't. And and again, there's a lot of I've been listening to some of the talk radio, and and people are. They want a complete reset with the GM and the head coach to just start over, which is ridiculous. You can't do that. It's just, it sounds really fun, and then you can't. But you also can't have a quarterback playing in in crunch time the way he played. You, it's. I hope it doesn't sound like we're piling on too much, but he's getting paid twenty seven million dollars to be the guy. He's got to make the right decisions at the time, and he did not when it counted most. Yeah, something, um, you know, the Colts, next takeaway here, the Colts lacked a balance in this game. You mentioned earlier why Taylor wasn't used more. 51 pass attempts for Carson Wentz, a season high. That's too many. And I remember we talked last year with Phillip Rivers. We, over the course of the season, saw a direct correlation with the more pass attempts Phillip Rivers threw the worse he performed and the worse the Colts performed as a team. There's a certain point when you keep asking your quarterback to do it over and over and over again. They're going to make more mistakes just out of just out of the numbers. You ask him to drop back and throw 51 times, he's going to have more mistakes. And so I think the Colts need to limit wins, limit his ability to make these mistakes by having more balance. 51 pass attempts, Colts running backs carried the ball just 17 times. Taylor finished with 16 carries for 70 yards. Uh, he also had three catches on four targets for 52 yards. Not, he had nine of his carries in the second half in overtime, so he actually got ran the ball more in the second half. And, of course, he had runs of 20 and 32 yards called back in the first half due to penalty. Uh, Frank Wright said on Monday, quote, I want to get him as many rushing attempts as we can. He's talking about Jonathan Taylor here. There were times to him that were passes or Carson keeping it. So, Mike, it sounds like this was, again, like in the first Tennessee game um, where Carson Wentz may have checked out of a few Jonathan Taylor runs. Well, I think what he was talking about in this game is there were some RPOs called, and instead of getting the ball to, to Taylor, Wentz either kept it or threw the ball. So that that's a little different. In the first Tennessee game, Wentz, to me, checked out of too many runs because he didn't like the way they, they crowded the line of scrimmage. That's a difference there. And, and I'm not I, I'm not going to defend Frank at all, because 16 carries for the second, for, for, for your best player, for the best player on the roster to get 16 carries isn't enough. On the 51 pass attempts, I'll just throw this out there just so we've got things in, in, in context. 
they had 14 pass attempts on the last two drives of each half. On, on, on the field goal drive in the first half, there were there were, I think it was seven or there were nine pass attempts, and then on the last drive in in, in the fourth quarter, there were four. So that sort of skews it a little, a little because you're you're in throw mode, but that that probably gets you right back there close to 50 50 on the run pass. My issue is is getting Taylor Moore. What his season high, I think, still is 18 carries. It's um, not surpassed 20 yet. Right. No, I think 18 is a high. And one one thing again, and here I am being. Mr. Excuse for the Colton, and I don't mean to be. But in context, a lot of what we do is compare, and again, 16 carries is not enough. But a lot of it is, well, look at the way Tennessee uses Derrick Henry. Well, nobody uses a running back like Tennessee uses Derrick Henry. You know, 28, 30 carries a game, it's not done. That that's We almost have to take that out of the equation and say, how does – the way the Colts use Taylor compared to the, to the other 30 teams in the league. And it's probably pretty similar. So I'll, I'll just throw that out there. Having said that he needs more and he was what 16 for 70. Is that what it was? And add the two, the two called back on penalties and all of a sudden he's about 120 yards. Cause that was 52 yards on penalties. And then you can argue, well, he maybe got those 52 yards because they held on the play. You know, so they, I, I see both ways. I they need to run the ball more, and and more than that, they need to get Taylor more touches because as we've seen over the last for this entire season, if he gets X number of carries, he's going to break plays. He just is. The, the the great backs do that, and we saw that yesterday. Unfortunately, there were a couple of them were called back by penalties, but. It, it, it all I'm saying is it wasn't quite as skewed as it, as it looks on the surface because of the drives at the end of the half and all that, but they they need to run the ball more. They're running it pretty well. They're, they're being effective with the run game, but uh, again, I agree with you. 51 passes, even taking into account those drives at the end of each half, it's too many. You go back and look at the Peyton Manning years. Uh, he, he wasn't a winning quarterback, I don't believe, with 50-plus passes in a game. Yeah, and something else, what happened to Naheem Hines? He has not really been much of a factor in several games now. I believe, what was that, three-year, $16 million contract the Colts signed him to for a guy who's picking up like 20 yards a game. I mean, he needs to be more of a factor. You look at the Colts wide receiver depth now with injuries to Hilton and Paris Campbell, they need to use Hines more as a receiver. I mean, I'd be on board to basically make him your slot receiver for the rest of the season. He, he's If you've f- completely forgot he was a running back, he'd probably be the Colts' best wide receiver, pure wide receiver after Pascal and Pittman. So, you know, get more of your best players on the field. Get Naheem Hines on the field. Have him run some routes underneath where he can be more of a factor because the Colts need more out of him with all the injuries to their wide receivers. A couple more takeaways here, and they're actually some positive ones. The Colts' defense made plays like they've been doing all year. They held Henry to 2.4 yards per carry. Uh, His longest run was nine yards. And as I say this, some breaking news here. 
Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reports that the Titans are going to sign Adrian Peterson, so they'll have a future Hall of Famer running the ball in Tennessee. Now, a very old future Hall of Famer, but Peterson in Tennessee uh, to pick up the slack while Derrick Henry recovers from the foot injury. But, um, yeah, the Colts defense, they broke Henry's streak of 100-yard games against them. Derrick Henry had four straight 100-yard rushing games against Indianapolis. They picked off Ryan Tannehill twice. They sacked him three times. Problem is they gave the ball right back on one of those interceptions. Um, They even gave the offense a second chance in overtime after forcing a three and out. It it just wasn't enough because the offense couldn't do its job at the end. Kenny Moore was spectacular. Nine total tackles, seven solo. He had two passes defended, including one interception. The linebackers were great as well. Okereke led the team with 12 total tackles. Darius Leonard had eight, and he also had a pass that he uh, tipped away and was almost intercepted again. Um, Buckner got a sack in this one, his third straight game with a sack. He leads the team with four. Mike, I feel bad because this is a defense who's been playing some good football lately, and the offense at times is just not enough. Yeah, and again, it- so so much of the perception would change had they found a way to pull that out. But the the defense it, it, it's just kind of crazy to where it's they did this well, they did this well, they did this well. Oh yeah, but and there's always that but with this group with you know they gave up the freebie touchdown to Brown, and uh, so they they do so much so many good things, and then that one drive they gave up was it five or six receptions to the tight ends where it was un- underneath and they just they couldn't cover those guys. So it's again this team is it's just it's just maddening the way they do so much right and so much wrong. And they're simply not good enough to to, to make the mistakes they're making, both on offense and defense. Special teams was was fine. But when you make the mistakes they make, they're not good enough to overcome that, whether it's the the, the penalties on Terray whether it's the blown tackle attempt by Rhodes, whether it's the the stupid, stupid interception in the end zone by Wentz or the bad, bad decision on Pittman, they're, they're finding ways to lose. And, you know, maybe we'll be sitting here in December and the rest of the AFC South will be so such of a mess because every time you think, you know, after one week it's this team's the hot team, it's Baltimore, and then it's Cincinnati, and then it's, who knows? I mean, you just don't know. But none of that's going to matter unless these guys can get on a run, which includes beating teams, you know, playoff caliber teams or playoff teams or teams with winning records. Uh, it's not going to matter. Yeah, they got to start beating some good teams, and they got to stop finding a way to lose and play some winning football. Last takeaway here, Michael Pittman Jr. is a beast. He's really carrying the passing game. Career-high 10 catches, two touchdowns on 15 targets, uh, one target too many. Uh, Finished with 86 yards on the day. The second leading uh, receiver for the Colts was actually Jonathan Taylor with 52 yards. Pascal's 43 was the next closest wide receiver. So while it's great that Pittman Jr. is emerging and really selling himself as a number one wide receiver, if the Colts season just goes south, that might be the biggest positive from this season is that the Colts have a stud running back and a stud wide receiver going.
going into next year. But, Mike, the Colts are going to need someone else to step up in this passing game for it to be effective. Yeah, you know, whether we see flashes from Moali Cox and then he goes away. Jack Doyle has been sort of non-existent except a little burst here and there. Receiver-wise, again, I don't know whether you go to whether Cootie's going to get a chance. Uh, we've not seen Michael Strong for a while. We, we've Maybe seen he about gets four, in there now. Right. Uh, somebody needs to because, again, you can't – again, we're not saying all of a sudden start giving Jonathan Taylor the ball 25 times and see how far you can ride him. I'm not saying that, – that's not the way they play. It's just not. And the thing with Hines, you're right, it's crazy how how much of a non-factor he's become. Uh, remember the one the, the swing pass uh, against the Niners that he would have run for a while with, and and now he's just not getting much. And I thought going into the season that a healthy Paris Campbell would really take away a lot of Hines' work in the passing game as a slot receiver. But now with Campbell out, I I, I don't disagree. Uh, I don't know if I just say simply as a slot receiver, but he's got to be more involved in the passing game. Uh, use he and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield at the same time and then, you know, motion him out, shift him out, whatever. But we've always said that the, the hardest thing for this coaching staff has been and will be finding ways to get Naheem Hines involved, and right now they're not doing a very good job of it. No, they're not. Speaking of running backs, uh, I forgot to mention off the top in the news section, this happened over the weekend, but Mike, were you surprised that the Colts waived Jordan Wilkins? Yeah, only because we, we don't have any information on what's going on there. He missed two or three games with a, with a non-football illness, which, you know, your mind just starts racing. What What the heck can that be? And then he came back and practiced last week, and then and then he's waived. So yeah, I I don't know what's going on there. Uh, he 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 hadn't played. He, he, I think he was I think he was probably a healthy scratch uh, the last few games prior to the to the illness. Although he's a solid solid special teams player, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, it'd be great to know what went on there, and maybe in the off season we'll find out. Yeah, uh, that I was just reminded because I got a notification here. The Colts have elevated running back Deion Jackson and safety Josh Jones to the 53-man roster. Uh, Colts will probably be without their two top, top safeties for Thursday night game against the Jets. All right, let's move ahead here and take a look around the AFC South. Of course, the Titans advance to 6-2. and two. The Colts are sitting there at 3-5 and five, trying to figure out how they can catch up. Uh, Titans have a four-game lead with nine games to play when you uh, account for the tiebreaker that Tennessee has after sweeping the Colts. The Jaguars and the Texans both lost by over 20 points this weekend. Jags played the Seahawks and the Texans played the Rams. Each of those teams still has just one win on the year. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and... Look at this playoff picture now. The Colts have a quick turnaround with a Thursday game in the Jets. Uh, the Jets are actually coming off their second win of the season. Backup quarterback Mike White threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll have a game preview coming out Wednesday for that one. 
Um, you know, it's probably a good thing that Colts have a quick turnaround to try and get the bad taste of this loss out of their mouth. But after New York, the Colts are at home against Jacksonville. But then they travel to Buffalo to face Josh Allen and the Bills. And then they home host Tom Brady and the Buccaneers the following week. That's a tough couple of games there. They finish up the schedule with at Houston, home against New England, at Arizona Christmas Day, home against the Raiders, and then at Jacksonville. Looking at this playoff picture, Tennessee was 6-2, and two, Buffalo 5-2, and two, Baltimore 5-2, uh, and two, Las Vegas 5-2. and two. They all lead their divisions. But like you mentioned at the top, Mike, it's kind of a mess behind them. Cincinnati's 5-3. and three. They just lost to the Jets. The Chargers are 4-3. and three. I believe they're coming off their second loss in a row. Uh, they just lost to New England. Pittsburgh's 4-3 and three after beating the Browns. New England is 4-4. Four four. Cleveland's 4-4. Four four. Denver's 4-4. Four four. The Chiefs are 3-4. And, and then there's the Colts at 3-5. So while anything can happen, they maybe Tennessee completely falls apart and the Colts get their act together. I think the Colts, to win the division, really even make a wild card. To be in the playoff picture over these last nine games, I think the Colts have to go 7-2. and two. Yeah, I, I, I've always said somehow you got to it, – it, without the division, somehow, even with the division, you had to find a way to get to 10-7. And, and losing as they did to Baltimore, which still, I don't know how they did that. And then losing this one uh, to Tennessee, which I know how they did that, it, it just makes it tough because now you, you've got to find a way to to beat a Buffalo or a Tampa or an Arizona – and oh, by the way, the Raiders are playing pretty well. I, it, it's just, it's just tough. Uh, but, but again, it, it's, it's the AFC has been so hard to judge from week to week. Again, like I said earlier, at one point, Bald, Lamar Jackson was the MVP can, uh, front runner, and Baltimore was the team to beat. And now, not so much. Uh, and now, Cincinnati was the hot, was the hot ticket. And now, not so much. So. But you, you just can't keep hoping and expecting other teams to lose. At some point, you have to win. Can this team get to 10-7? Sure it can. I think it's a very tough to do because, again, you've got to beat a couple teams that you're not expected to beat. And they've virtually gotten rid of any margin of error. They've, they've got to sort of get their act together quickly and, and not have these slip-ups that so far that, they, that, that, that they've had Let's put them behind the eight ball. They would have to pull off uh, almost a repeat of their 2018 season when they finished uh, winning nine of their last 10 games to make the playoffs. I mean, they could do it. I think losses to Buffalo and Tampa Bay would be expected, but I mean, they should be able to beat Jacksonville, Houston, uh, you know, Jacksonville twice, actually. I think the Colts should beat New England. The, the tough wins, Arizona, and Las Vegas, they're going to have to win those games because I just have a hard time seeing them beat uh, Josh Allen or Tom Brady. Although the Colts almost beat Josh Allen and the Bills last year in Buffalo. So maybe maybe that's a game they'll be able to pull out this time. Um, let's see, Mike, any last, uh, any last takeaways before we wrap this thing up? No, again, I, I, I'd be a terrible coach or GM because I, I, I could not leave a bad loss behind. I, I, it, w- it would... I would be PO'd for two weeks over a game that I let get away. So fortunately, I'm not a coach or a GM. 
we can just talk about it and let our frustrations uh, be shown in, the, in, in that way. Yeah, and, you know, it's a little early to talk about this now, but I'm sure down the road if the Colts keep losing and fall, find themselves out of playoff contention, the topic of conversation is going to be, do you sit Carson Wentz and keep your first-round pick, especially if that you're looking at a high first-round pick? Um, you know, it's easy to say as a fan, but I imagine it'd be pretty darn hard for Frank Reich to be in that locker room with a healthy Carson Wentz and sit him, but tell the rest of his guys to go out there and play their butts off and try to win. Yeah, I, I agree. How, how do you go? It makes perfect sense from an organizational standpoint to keep that first round pick. But today, you know, and again, he'd have to sit, what is it, about three games, three and a half games he would have to miss, which which again makes sense. Go, go up to, to Darius Leonard, who, who who's had the ankle most of the season, all season, DeForest Buckner, veterans like that, Jonathan Taylor, and say, listen, uh, go out there and give us everything you got, but by the way, we're, we're going to sit our quarterback because next year it's going to help us. Uh, it, it makes so much sense to do. Explain that to your locker room. Explain that to other players who, you, who you're requiring to go out there and play and risk everything, injuries and everything. Uh, but, boy, let's look what it could help us to do next year. Players do not and should not consider that as an option. Yeah, it might be a lose your first round pick or lose the locker room type deal. Hopefully it won't come to that. Um, we will be back on Wednesday where we will refocus our energy on the New York Jets who, you know, Colts need Colts. I feel like every other week are in need of a get right game. Hopefully this can be a get right game against the Jets, but they're not quite the pushover. Uh, that their reputation might say after beating a talented Bengals team. So for Mike Chappell, I am Joe Hopkins. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back in just a couple of days. Take care, Colts fans. 